Uh, we are in week two of our series, But God, But God, and we have, uh, we started this last week. We are on a journey with this guy named Jairus, and uh, today uh, the story takes a turn and, and, uh, and so I'm excited to share that story with you. And so we're going to be in Mark chapter 5, Mark chapter 5, verse 24, and we're going to read uh, 10 verses. And it starts off with this. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, him being Jesus. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Verse 30, at once Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd, and he asked, who touched me? I love to know who responded uh, because his disciples answered, and uh, you see people crowding against you, and you ask, who touched me? Verse 32, Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. Verse, I'm glad you laughed, because uh, that would have been awkward. Verse 34, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This morning, I want to talk to you for the next 20, 25 minutes, if you're lucky, from the subject of don't stop believing. Don't stop believing. And the music plays. Don't boom, boom. Come on, guys. This is church. This is church. Let's just pray one more time, uh, and I was specifically asked to not pray for the Niners because they lost last week when I prayed, and so I won't pray for the Niners, and you know who you are that asked me that, and we still love you here, so I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together to worship you as a community, God. Lord, we pray that for the next few moments together, God, that you would uh, just speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, we recognize you here. We, we recognize you as our guest of honor this morning. We pray that you would just speak to our heart, to our mind. We want to leave here changed. We want to leave here better, not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. God, we thank you so much. We love you. And in Jesus' name, everyone say it. Amen, amen. Hey, I got a question for you. Have you ever uh, thought that God had healed you from a character flaw only to discover he didn't? <laughs> like, you're like, woo, praise God, I'm so glad that he took this away from me. And then like 10 minutes later, you're like, no. So for me, one of those things is chillness, being chill. Every single year, I just turned 27 this past Thursday, Praise God. Shut up. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so every year I try to, like, to set a goal of one thing that I want God to work on in my life. And, uh, and one thing that I constantly am praying God heal me from is my inability to be chill. Like some people have the ability to be chill. My wife is that person. She's just chill, man. 
She's like, if something that we planned doesn't happen, she's like, it's okay. <laughs> Someone's clapping back there. Uh, and, uh, but that's not me. I'm not chill. Specifically, when it comes to something that we spent time planning, and when it doesn't happen as planned, dude, like, I am not chill. And ca Thank you, Janice. Case in point. Case in point. My wife and I, we were going to Napa a while back, and uh, we, we didn't have the kids, so it was a little, it was a prayer excavation that we, uh, her and I went on to just, uh, <laughs> to just spend time and have deep intellectual thought conversations with one another in Napa. Um, and, and so we, my wife was like, my wife was, <laughs> my wife was, uh, that'll come to you eventually. Um, my wife and I were, she's like, I'm going to get ready. I've learned that if I just let her get ready and I do something else, like I'm not rushing her, you know? And, and so I was like, Hey, I'm gonna go drop the kids off at my parents' house and uh, you just continue to get ready. And so I'm putting my kids in the car. I'm in a rush, right? Cause like I want to get to Napa. And, um, and, and so I get my kids and I drop my kids off. I stop off to get gas and I realize I don't have my wallet. And I'm like, where did my wallet go? And I feel like the Holy Spirit quickened me to remind me that I'd set my wallet on top of the car when, uh, when, when, I, when I was putting my, my kids who can't get in the car by themselves um, on top of the car, and I drove off. So I'm like, man, that stinks, right? Because we were planning to go to Napa, and so I'm like, okay, well, you know, whatever, I will find. And so I backtracked uh, the drive because I, I was like, if it was going to fly off my car, I kind of know where it was because I took this turn really fast. And um, so I go there and I get out of the car and I'm, I'm searching for my wallet. My wife calls me. She's like, babe, where are you at? I'm like, babe, one of the kids lost, lost my wallet. And... <laughs> <laughs> That's why you have kids. Um, and, uh, and I was like, but, you know, I'm trying to find it right now. Uh, minutes go by, and I'm like, I can't find this thing. So I call my wife up, my babe. I think, like, I, think I lost my wallet. I told her what actually happened. And, um, and, and she was like, it's okay. We'll find it. So she came out, and she was looking with me, on the, like, trying to find this, my wallet, and we couldn't find it. And in my head, I'm like, we just, we're going to have to cancel my trip to Napa is ruined, and I'm, I'm losing it, okay? Like, internally, I'm losing it. And, uh, and, and so she's like, hey, babe, it's okay. We'll find it. I'm like, babe, we can't check out. We can't check into the hotel without the credit card. We don't have a credit card. She's like, that's okay. Well, let's go to the bank. Maybe they can print us up a, a, a new credit card. I'm like, they can't do that. She's like, well, let's just try. You know, like, she's like, she's being just so peaceful in this moment where I'm just freaking out. And, um... That word was freaking out. And, um, and so <laughs> someone's like, wait, what did he say? And, and so, so we go to the bank, and they're like, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Pete, it's okay. We can print you out a credit card right now. And I'm like, oh, thank God. And so like, it started like, it just started like working out. And then finally, we were like, okay, we can just, I, you know, she helped me get an appointment to the DMV to get a new driver's license, um, and that was a whole nother fiasco, but uh, we, we made it to, to Napa, okay, and, um, and we're eating dinner, and we're just, we're sitting across from each other, and I just remember, like, looking at her and just thinking, man, I just, like, it stunk trying to get to that place of dinner, 
But I was like, man, I'm just so grateful for her. She was so, uh, remember, she's not in here today. <laughs> Messed this one up, didn't I? My God. Um, and I was like, man, I just, I was so grateful for her. Oddly enough, I think the journey that it took to get to where we were at, to the dinner, like that journey just, it, it, it created just like a, a, a deeper, uh, like love and affection for my wife in that moment. And then I'm sitting at the table and I'm thinking, man, John, you're so dumb. Like, what if you walked, what if you canceled the trip? That would have, like, you would have missed out on this opportunity. And here's why, I, what I, why I'm telling you this story is because sometimes I think we need to remember that the journey is just as important as the destination. Because sometimes the journey sets up my expectation for the destination. And, and we see this in the story, in, in, the, in the portion of scripture that we read this morning when it comes to Jairus. Now, if you weren't here last Sunday, uh, we were talking about this man named Jairus. And two things, real quick recap, that's important to understand about Jairus is uh, the first thing is that Jairus was a very powerful, influential person in the city that he lived in because he was a leader at the synagogue. So he was a man of power and prestige. And, but the other thing that we have to learn about, about uh, Jairus is that Jairus was going through a situation. In fact, his little, dur little, girl, his little girl was on the verge of dying. And so Jairus, he has this idea. This is what we looked at last week. He had this idea, man, if I, could, if I could find this man named Jesus, and if I could bring Jesus to the bedside of my little girl, then my little girl would be healed. And so last week we discovered that Jairus found Jesus, and the last thing that we looked at before we left Jairus was that Jairus and Jesus was on the way to Jairus' house because he was able to get Jesus to go with him. And then that leads us to here. And so up until this point, if I'm Jairus, I'm excited. Because everything is going as planned. Everything up until this moment, I, I was looking for Jesus, I found him. I, asked, I wanted to ask Jesus if he would come to me to my house, with me to my house, and he's following me to my house. Everything is going as planned. Until verse 25. Everything is happening, happening to plan. And then all of a sudden we get to verse 25. And what we read is that the narrative shifts from Jairus to this random woman. And for the next 10 verses, not one verse, not five verses, for the next 10 verses, everything is about this woman and nothing is about Jairus. And so he, we read this this morning, Jesus and Jairus, they're walking to his house, and Jesus stops, and he's like, man, someone just, someone just touched me. Someone just pulled on my robe, to which one of the disciples was like, Jesus, that's what happens when you're in a crowd, bro. <laughs> like, people are going to touch you. 
And Jesus, he kind of, the, uh, the scripture, the text says that Je Jesus, he, he, he just forgot what the, ignored what the disciples said. He kept looking for the person that touched him. And then all of a sudden, uh, this lady comes out of the crowd. And she's like, it was me. And she falls to the feet of Jesus. Now, I think in this moment, we should recognize that culturally at this time, if you had an ailment, specifically a blood ailment, like you were, you were outcasted from the town. Like if, if, if you had this blood ailment and you touched someone, then all of a sudden that person that you touched, they would be like, you touched me. I also too have to be banned from the city. And so there was a huge risk for this lady to step out in this moment to identify herself, the one that's in the crowd, to say, uh, Jesus, it was me. And the, in the scripture, the portion of scripture says that, that she fell to the feet of Jesus. And Jesus saw her. And he said to her, he said, woman, you are healed. He said, excuse me, he said, daughter. He said, daughter, your faith has healed you. And she got up and she was healed. Could you imagine the atmosphere in that moment? People, they would have been, <sighs> the crowd's going crazy. Because Jesus just did a miracle. He just healed this lady. Now, guys, I, I don't, I don't want to minimize the miracle that Jesus just did. I don't even want to, like, what, what I'm about to say next, I don't want to minimize the faith of this lady. But I can't help, as I'm reading this story, I can't help to ask myself, but what about Jairus? Where's Jairus? In fact, in all accounts in the gospel that has this story in there, not once are we ever privied to the perspective of Jairus in this moment. Not once are we ever, uh, do we ever get this opportunity to see how Jairus is handling this situation, this setback. Because remember, this was not the plan. This was not the plan. The plan was to take Jesus from here over to my house. There was no plan for Jesus to stop right here. And so I'm reading this, and I'm thinking, man, if I'm Jairus in this moment, I'm very upset. In this moment, I'm, I'm like, this, Jesus, like, what are you doing? And I wonder this morning if you can relate to that. If you can relate to this feeling of Jesus, like, what are you, this was not the plan. Jesus, this is, you, you were supposed to, like, go with me to heal my daughter. I know you called her daughter, but this is the wrong daughter. Like, this, this was not the plan. And as I said, we, we, we don't, get a perspective of how Jairus handled this. But all we know from, from that portion of Scripture is that Jairus waited. We know that, that Jairus did not walk off. He didn't storm off. 
We know from the text, and we'll read this next week, we know that Jairus waited while Jesus was performing the miracle. He just, he just waited. And I want to propose to you this morning that he didn't just wait, but there was some portion of him waiting was patiently. Waiting patiently for Jesus to do what he was going to do. And so here, here's my big idea for this morning. If surrender is the foundation for a but God narrative, then patience is the catalyst that helps me sustain a but God narrative. Be patient in the waiting, in the process. Because if there's one thing that I've understood about having a but God narrative is that usually but God is not instant. If there was anything that I've learned about a but God narrative, it's usually that a but God narrative begins with the faith statement and I just have to wait patiently for it to come to pass. That just because I have a but God narrative does not mean it happens right now. Just because I have a but God narrative for my marriage doesn't mean it gets fixed right now. Just because I have a but God narrative for my finances doesn't mean the breakthrough happens right now. Just because I have a but God narrative for my sickness doesn't mean it gets fixed and healed right now. And if I don't understand that, I will go through life confused. I will go through life just wondering, what am I doing wrong? In fact, this morning, I think a, I think a, a lack of patience skews my perspective in two ways. And he, he, here's the first one. Let me read that again. If I'm not careful, a lack of patience will plague my perspective. Imagine the patience that Jairus had to have in this moment. Just put yourself in Jairus' shoes. Like his daughter, like he doesn't know how much longer she has to live. And Jesus, just seemingly, it seems like he forgot. Jesus didn't forget. But my human mind goes like, Jesus, did you forget about me? And then on top of that, he gave my healing to someone else. Like the very thing that I was asking God for, he gave it to someone else. But I was first in line. It's crazy. And so if I don't learn to have patience, a lack of patience plagues my perspective two ways. The first one, the first way is this. It plagues the way that I see other people. It plagues the way that I see other people. And as I just, I just mentioned, like, Jairus, just if you put yourself in Jairus' shoe, shoes, you, you, you too would be wondering, like, what in the world is happening? Like, this is, what are you doing? Jesus. Like, this, that was for me. 
That, that miracle, that healing, that, that was for me. Do you remember me? Jesus? And a lack of patience, it will plague my perspective and how I see other people. Because a, a lack of patience, what it does is it elevates myself and my needs and my wants ahead of everyone else. And then it just so happens when I put myself first, everything else becomes second. Think about it. The easiest way to explain this is, is like when I'm driving behind someone who's in a Prius. If you have a Prius, we love you. Um, and they just, they love to drive in the fast lane going slower. We love you. And, 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 uh. And I'm like, I'm trying to get past him, but they just won't go faster. I become impatient. And, and the reason why I become impatient is because I don't think that they are driving as fast as I think they should. And so when I lack patience, I am placing myself ahead of everyone else. And the problem with that is once I do that, the moment someone else gets a blessing or gets, or, or gets something that they've been praying for before me, my attitude is like, why them, not me? And rather than celebrating, I'll begin cursing. Because I'm wanting that job. God, you know I worked hard for that job. You know I worked hard for that promotion. God, you know that promotion was for me. I'm praying, God, I'm on my knees. I'm going to church every Sunday. I'm not, I'm not messing up, God. Like I, I'm praying. And then my buddy gets a job promotion instead of me. If I don't understand patience, I don't celebrate that person. But in my mind, I'm cursing that person. That is not fair. I prayed first. Jesus, it was my turn first. And when we have a lack of patience, it plagues our perspective on other people. And so here's my question to you this morning. Can you celebrate what, other, what Jesus is doing in other people's lives even while you're waiting for yours? Do you have enough inside of you to celebrate others and patiently wait while God is doing something in your life. And so, so, so the uh, plagues our perspective, plagues our, excuse me, it plagues our perspective on how we view other people. And the second way it plagues our perspective is it, is it, uh, it plagues the way that we see God, specifically the way that we see God's character. And so if I am not careful, I will begin to think that my timing is the best timing. If I'm not careful, I'll begin to think my time frame is the right time frame. If, if I'm not careful, I'll, I'll, I'll begin to think, uh, I'll begin to think like that, that what the, the, the plans that I have are the best plans are the right plans 
But it's interesting because in Isaiah 55, 8, God says, my plans are not your, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Which implies that God's perspective is way different than my perspective. That I have a, I have a close view on things, but God has like the overview of things. That he's able to see something in a manner that I just physically can't see. And so I have to learn to be patient and understand that God, whatever I'm believing for, if it doesn't happen the way that I want it to, in the time frame that I want it to, I have to learn to still be patient. And to trust that you're doing something. To trust that you're working. Because if I don't, I will begin to see God as careless rather than caring. If I'm not careful, I will begin to think that God does not care about me or what I'm going through. And then all of a sudden, I'll begin to see the character of God. Not caring, but careless. God, don't you care about me? Don't you care about me. And we could have the keys come up because I'm, I'm landing this plane. So patience, <clears throat> excuse me, patience is critical. Patience is critical because patience sets me up for what's next. Patience sets me up for what's next. I want to read a text out of Romans chapter 5. And, and it sets up this idea that, that the journey, there's something in the journey. I know we hate the journey. I know we just want to get that to that destination. I know we just want to get to that breakthrough. I know we just want to get that job promotion. I know we just want to get that, that healing. But there's something in the journey that you can't miss. I hope, I hope someone here this morning, like you're like, God, I'm just, I'm about to give up. Listen, wait. Be patient. Watch, watch what, what Paul says in, in Romans 5. He says, we continue to, there we go, we continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles. Because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us. So God's developing something inside of you. Don't despise the journey. Don't despise the waiting period. He continues and he says, and how that patience in turn forges the tempered seal of virtue. Watch this. Keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. Patience is forging inside of me, preparing me for whatever God is wanting to do next. For whatever God is wanting to do next. I wonder, I wonder if when this lady falls at the feet of Jesus and all of a sudden Jesus he leaves Jairus's situation for a moment and he heads over to this lady like I don't know this for a fact but I wonder 
I wonder if Jairus was just standing there and just wondering, just waiting, and just... Like, like, I wonder if Jairus was watching Jesus heal this lady. And rather than becoming jealous, rather than becoming angry, that he watched Jesus heal this lady and something all of a sudden began to stir up inside of him. I, I wonder if Jesus is sitting there, or excuse me, Jairus is watching this lady being healed and something inside of him, it's stirring him up because it's, it's setting up his expectation for what he's expecting God to do at his destination. I, I wonder if Jairus is watching this and he's getting excited because he's like, man, if Jesus can do this for her, I know that he can do this for me. Because the journey sets my expectation for my destination. This morning, I want to encourage you that we want to have the narrative of but God. But patience is necessary in this journey. Patience is necessary. And I encourage you to just continue to open your eyes. God, what do you want me to see in this waiting period? God, what do you want me to see while I'm waiting for you to do a miracle in my life? God, that you would give me patience to see what you're capable of doing, even if it's in someone else's life. Patience. Patience is the catalyst that helps sustain a but God narrative in my life. Amen, somebody?